lesson two of what the church should be doing. In the last session, we said that the church should be uh, showing us what the Father's like, that it should be an example, and that it should be seeking the lost, remembering that we're the body of Christ, what he did, we should be doing. And so I want to pick up and, and start in this session by uh, saying to us, Reading the rest of that Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, The Son has come not become to seek and to save that which was lost. And so while we can't do the work of redemption, we can bring redemption and the work that Christ has done for us to people, sinners and saints alike. So we need, I'm just going to share a few things that I think will be helpful in, uh, in us as leaders being able to help our people to come into that which God wants for us. I said one of the hallmarks of New Testament church life was uh, to go out and seek the lost. Uh, but it's not enough just to go and look for them. We want to see them coming to Christ. So here's a few little things I, I think will help us uh, that I see in the scriptures. We need, first of all, to pray for our people to have a heart to see the lost coming to Christ to see them saved. And we need to be praying that not only will they have a heart for that, but that they'll be willing to pay the price to reach out to them. And so that would be the first little thing. We need to be doing some real praying. And then secondly, we need to teach our people how to become effective witnesses. I think I've touched this in one of the previous sessions over the last little while, but we need to teach our people how to share their faith how to share their testimony in a, in a sane way and in a way that God can use it. Um, concise, effective, non-religious, empowered by the Spirit of God. We, this is something churches need to be teaching their people how to do. And uh, some of the testimonies are actually off-putting. They emphasize and highlight sin so much and make it look so pleasant. And then uh, when people they say they've come to Christ, it, it's like, well, now my life's become boring. We need to pray for, teach our people, and also we ourselves need to be praying for genuine conversions that result in discipling or disciples, not just decisions. I think that many, a lot of the churches have just lost heart. They've seen people put their, raise their hands at the same people over and over and over again, and not really seeing them changed and becoming effective and fruitful. So we need to pray for genuine conversions that result in discipleship and that uh, with those converts integrate into the life of the church, really become soul winners and part of the band that God is using, effective and fruitful, um, lifesavers, as it were. Remember that Jesus came to do more than just save us from hell. He actually came to, as Matthew 121, the, the angels actually said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save these people from their sin. Our message must include that too, not just out of their sin, but deliver them from sin. Sin for the believer must be the exception, not the rule. Uh, it's like a train, uh, a train network. They don't plan for an accident. But when an accident takes place, they know what to do. It's not on their timetable. It's not on their schedule or their schedule. 
But when it happens, they know what to do about it. And so it is for sin in the life of a believer. It shouldn't We should be living victorious. In actual fact, if you were to read 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, and 1 John chapter 3, verses 6 through to 10, 1 John chapter 5, verse 18, you'll see there that uh, John writes, and he actually says, uh, these things are right unto you that you sin not. And if any man does sin, not when, if any man does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation, the, the mercy seat, the atoning sacrifice for our sins are not ours alone, but the sins of the whole world. Uh, in 1 John chapter 3, verses 6 to 10, he was actually saying that we, we should not be slaves to sin. We shouldn't be under the control of the devil. And the same in 1 John 5, 18, etc. Read, read it for yourselves. Read those scriptures and then help our people to understand that. That we're not only safe from hell, but we're safe and delivered from sin ongoingly. God is making us more and more like Jesus. You see, we really are slaves to the one, to that which uh, we offer our instruments of our bodies. You could read Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through to 23. But he, he really is saying that if you offer your eyes to sin, you'll, you become a slave to sin, or your ears, or your mouth, or your body, whatever part of, whatever it is, even your mind. But if we offer them to God, as instruments of righteousness. Read that for yourself in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through to 23. Taking note of, and I've just highlighted verse 6 and verse 17 and verse 19 and 20, verse 23, etc. Read those for yourself and teach them to your people that God can deliver us and bring us out and keep us victorious. So the next thing that Jesus came to do, and this is the fifth little um, aspect of what the church should be involved in. He didn't only come to do those things, show us the Father, set an example, uh, save and um, and seek, etc. But he also came to set us free. Uh, I love this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. He says this, The reason or the purpose for this cause was the Son of God manifest, that he might destroy the works of the evil one. The scriptures actually said he made a public spectacle of the devil triumphing over him by the cross. So Jesus came to seek, to save, yes, but he also came to set us free. In Isaiah 61, he says he has, set, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. You'll see that again in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, when Jesus says, today this is fulfilled, the scripture is fulfilled. And he says, for the Spirit, because the Lord has anointed me, and He tells us that it's to set people free. Remember in John eight thirty six, Jesus said, uh, I think it's verse thirty six. If if the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So He He'll set. He's come to set us free. So there's a number of things He's come to set us free from. One, the sin. Slavery to sin. He's come to set us free from slavery to sin. Again, going back to that Romans 6, he says, You've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. In Romans 6.22, you'll see a similar thing if you, if, you, if you look at it for yourself. Romans 6.22. Uh, sorry, my notes are just getting a little messed up here. And then he came also not only to set us free from slavery to sin, but he came to set us free from sickness. Uh, Jesus healed the sick and he told us to do the same. 
in Matthew 4, 23, it says, Now Jesus went about teaching, preaching, healing all kinds of diseases amongst the people. He cleansed the lepers. He uh, healed the paralyzed, the blind, the, the dumb, the, the demonized, uh, the deaf. Uh, Matthew 16, 17 to 20 tells us that we then are to do exactly the same. That these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall, and one of the things is, Heal the sick. So we need to just use God's word, speak God's word to heal the sick, because he sends forth his word to heal, is what Psalm 107 verse 20 says. So when you're praying, pray the word of God. When you're speaking directly into the sickness or the illness, speak the word of God. Then he came also to set us free, not only from slavery to sin and not only uh, from sickness, but he, he even came to set us free from sorrows, grief that's binding so many, even of God's people, never mind the unsaved. So many of God's, even pastors, full of grief, regret, living in with broken hearts. Uh, in Isaiah 55 verse 4, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and he's carried our sorrows. It, just like he carried our sins, he's carried our griefs and our sorrows. Isaiah 61 verse one, verses 1 through to 3 says, and I'm just highlighting some parts of this. He came to heal the brokenhearted, to comfort all who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So Jesus came also to set us free from sorrows. Now there's always going to be a tragedy somewhere that we're faced with. Uh, but there's healing for tragedy. There's healing for every disappointment, healing for every despair, every discouragement, every one that's been deserted, the feelings of desertion and, and uh, depression and negativity and desperation. There's healing. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Also, Jesus came to, to set us free from systems. I'm using that in... Uh, Quotation marks, systems, systems both inside the church and outside the church. There's so many systems in the church that are squeezing the very life of God and the joy of God out of us. But he's come to set us free from those systems in the church and out of the church, from the vain traditions that the church has fallen into, that we're just doing traditional kind of, it's just rote over and over doing the same thing. Uh, Jesus opposed tradition. By the way, he taught. You can look at that up in Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through to 20, taking special note of verses 6 through to 9. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 to 17, just because of time, I'm having to just give you these scriptures and ask you, please, in Jesus' name, read them for yourself. Don't just gloss over and get these little points. Let this, the Spirit of God take the word and speak it into your heart. Um, the system of vain traditions. But he taught, he did it by his speech, what he taught, but he also opposed those systems by, by the way he acted, his actions. He heals on the Sabbath when he's not allowed, over and over again, even when he, he sees them looking at them, he says to the man, stand up with a withered arm, and he speaks and heals him. And he's just, he's just showing people, I'm opposed to this. And the church is full of man-made traditions, isn't it? Even some of the ways we, we conduct what we call our worship services with the music and singing, our, 
our meetings, our, 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 the pattern we follow, it's just like so predictable. Um, it's just systematic. Uh, it doesn't need the life of God in it. And very, very often it doesn't have any of the life of God in it. People get bored. Sit down while the songs are being sung. What look into on their iPhones and iPads and make notes of other things and deal with next week's agenda while the preaching's going on. But but God wants to set us free from those systems, uh, our modus operandi, our, uh, even the systems of finances that have got the church into trouble and and individuals in, into trouble. God's come to set us free. Christ came to set us free. Uh, even from authority structures where we've been abused and ab by even in the church. So Jesus can heal, set us free from the, all those man-made systems, what they've done to us, robbing us of his true life and effectiveness. And he can give us a biblical wineskin, a, a biblical structure, uh, flexible, that can that the Spirit of God can keep on being poured into our lives, into our churches, into our meetings, into the way we do things, our outreaches, every area of life, homes and home cells and whatever else may be. But he's also come not only to set us free from the systems in the church, he's come to set us free from the systems outside the church, peer pressure. You know, it's amazing to me the peer pressure that, God, and I'm reverting back to the church now, but just for a moment, there's even peer pressure in the church, pastor against pastor. It's just, it, it, anyway. Uh, but he's, he's come to set us free from peer pressure, from being people pleasers. So many pastors are people pleasers. They won't preach on certain subjects in case the people don't like it and don't come again. And he's set us free from political correctness, the fear of man, well, you know, all those things. But he's also come to set us free from slavery, bondage of any sort and any kind. 1 John 3 verses 2 and 9, Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2, even from the law and from legalism, as well as from licentiousness. So read for yourself in Galatians chapter 3 verses 1 through to 18, Galatians chapter 4 verses 21 to 31, Galatians chapter 5 verses 1 through to 4, and then verse 13. And you'll see how Jesus has set us free and we're to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set us free. It's slavery of any and every kind. Also, he's come to set us free from the sting of death. It's fear and it's finality. You'll find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, especially if you just make a note of verses 54 and 55. Read them for yourself. Our final resurrection to be with and like Jesus. He set us free from that, from the, the fear of death and its finality. It, he set us free so that for eternity and for time, serving him, his peace, the sting of death, now and forever. I don't have to fear death uh, and the consequences of just he set us free from all these things. You know, Jesus even raised the dead in, in time. It's going to be so easy for him to raise the dead. Those of the, who are dead in Christ are going to be caught up, be alive with him forever. You know the scriptures that talk about them. But Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, speaking about now, it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me in the life I now live. I live by the power of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Resurrection power. Christ lives in me. 
Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 verse 6 uh, verse 10 he wants to know that more and more I want to know him in the power of his resurrection so we can live in resurrection life now and have no fear of, of dying into the future he came also quickly uh, our time's running out now he came to satisfy to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly life with a capital L John 10 10 Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he does all these things for us. Causes us to lay down, to, uh, in, uh, leads us in paths of righteousness. He even prepares a, a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Our cups run over. Uh, surely goodness and mercy are going to follow us for all the days of our life. And we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So he came to, to satisfy uh, Jesus said in John 6, chapter 6, verse 35, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me uh, shall never hunger again or never thirst again. And you can read some of these scriptures for yourself. I'll just give them to you quickly. Psalm 16, verse 11. Isaiah 58, verse 11. Psalm 37, verse 4. Psalm 103, verses 1 through to 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Comes down, I think, in the fifth, fourth or fifth verse, who uh, he satisfies us, our lives, with good things. John 4, 14. Proverbs 19, 23. Psalm 91, verse 16. This is a beautiful one for us that are getting a lot. With long life, I will satisfy him, God promises, for all of us. And then quickly moving on to point number eight of what Jesus came to do. He came to serve. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, he says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Serving makes us great in the kingdom of God, um, according to Jesus. In Luke 9, 48, he says, For he is least among you, for he is least among you all, he is the greatest. The one who is the least uh, is, is the greatest. Uh, in, in Mark 9, 35, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. Mark 10, 43 and 44, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. For even the Son of Man did not come to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, according to Paul writing that Jesus said this in the book of Acts chapter 20, he says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And giving is an act of service. The church in its togetherness has to once again recover this whole thing that we've lost of of being servants and being givers. Live to give and give to live. Uh, let that become our motto. So how then can we serve? Well, when I look at this time here, I'm going to, I realize I've got to start another third little session. And so I'll just give you a little bit of how we can serve. The five, the six areas that I, I'll only give you one or two of them now in this session. But the six areas that I see that I hope encompass all of the areas of service and how we can be serving. So then how can we serve? If he came to serve, we're to do what he did. How can we serve? Well, we can serve through prayer. We see Jesus praying so much. He gets alone with the Father so often, up in the mountains, leaves the disciples, goes up into the mountains. And you can be sure he prayed with them. We see that Paul and others, they prayed together. So prayer is such an area of service. One of the greatest investments that any church can ever make or any believer can ever make in the kingdom of God is to pray. It's a great investment. Uh, if you're praying, others will pray for you. <clears throat> we New Testament service 
it seems to me, starts with prayer. And when Paul and Barnabas are going to be sent out, they're praying, fasting, waiting upon God, and he separates them to, to the ministry he has for them. And so we see it over and over and over again. Paul goes to where they're praying. He, Peter gets out of prison, goes to the prayer meeting. Prayer is one of those things. Without prayer, we work in the flesh. And flesh only gives birth to flesh, according to Jesus. So look at the scriptures and see how often Jesus prayed. Mark, um, Mark 6.46, Matthew 14.23, Matthew 26.36, Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Luke chapter 9, verse 28, Luke chapter 5, verse 16, Luke chapter 18, verse 10, John 17, that high priestly prayer, and the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Praying is so essential. That's where I'm going to have to end this session. I've got five more of those little things I want to share with you on how to serve God and a few other things on what Jesus came to do. But in the meantime, God be upon you, bless you, use you, and help you to live out what Jesus lived out so that we can be his servants, doing what he did, serving him the way he wants us to. And Father, again, I'm asking blessings on your people in Jesus' name. Amen.